Hello again, witchy people, and welcome back to the Witching and Bitching podcast. I have left it much, much longer than usual between this episode and the last, and I, I know I always say this at the beginning of episodes, because I'm a bit shit really, but I didn't even realise it's it's dead ass been about a month since the last episode, and for that I am very sorry, but also kind of not sorry, because to be honest, I needed this break. Um, my Instagram has also been dead for about a month now too, but still here, I'm all good. I've just had a lot to keep up with over the past month. I've had some work drama taking up some of my time, which I shouldn't have really let it take over like that, but whatever. Bitches will be bitches, I guess, and that's just something I've been dealing with. Um, so just just on a side note from that, <clears throat> just don't don't do what I did, basically. Don't let other people's negative energy affect you like that. It's something I preach all the time to other people, but it is something I've always struggled with as like an empath, I guess, and something I've struggled with these past few weeks in particular, but now I've realised that this negative energy is just not worth my time. I've let it distract me from more important things, and that was a mistake on my part. So for any of you out there experiencing any kind of drama, especially just petty bullshit, just, you know, if it doesn't matter in the long run, fuck it, just don't bother with it. That is obviously easier said than done, but let my month-long hiatus be a lesson that even those small, stupid things can affect you more than you realise, and rather than buying into it, and prioritising it over your mental health, your spirituality, your hobbies, or anything else. Just dig down for that inner peace. Remember you're better than that, bro. And whoever it is that is causing you stress or problems, they're not worth it. And, I mean, if it's really that bad, and they're being that much of a dickhead, nothing a cheeky, I don't know, a binding spell or a cord cutting or something can't fix. That's all I'm saying, like, come on. But... Yeah, anyway, I'm rambling and ranting about things you don't really even know or probably care about, so moving on. Um, I am I am also going away tomorrow. I am going on a plane for the very first time tomorrow. I'm very excited. I'm travelling to Corfu in Greece, which I'm super excited about, actually. And I've spent the past month sorting all of the last-minute bits and pieces for that, since it's my first actual proper holiday like ever and I've just been in in kind of overload trying to make sure I have everything and I know what I'm doing and I'm super super excited but also like mad nervous but yeah so just in general it's just been a really busy month and I'm sorry for the wait and just my bad bro but you know I work hard every day and it's taken me the entire 24 years of my existence to realise that I do actually deserve nice things and I'm just very excited to go on this little adventure. But anyway, once again, I'm going to stop waffling now and just get to the point. So, since I'm going on this little holiday, I have actually been kind of looking into sea magic quite a fair bit in the past few weeks because I live in the middle of the city. There's not too many like natural bodies of water around me at all, let alone like an actual ocean. No, I'm smack bang in the middle of the UK, so ain't no beaches near me for me to do any of my witchy shit. So I'm I'm taking advantage while I'm on this holiday and I'm super excited that it's Greece because I'm I love Greek culture and Greek history and Greek mythology and I've always felt 
particularly connected with a lot of the Greek deities. So for me, this is a bit of a spiritual journey for me to go on because it's an opportunity for me to not only practice a new type of magic that I've always been interested in, but also an opportunity for me to feel closer to some of those deities too and learn more about the culture and mythology. Sea magic is something I've always been interested in, to be honest. Um, I can't swim. going to put that out there now. 24 years old. Can't swim. And I am a bit scared of the water, actually, especially like the sea and the ocean. It's just like madness. But I do also have a mad respect for it in terms of its beauty and its vastness and its power. And I love using water in my spells, like my moon water and whatnot. But I've never had the opportunity to do a good like proper water ritual or spell with like a whole ass natural body of water like that. And it's just something I've always loved the idea of. Um, sea witches have always fascinated me. Like I'd watched Little Mermaid as a kid and I was always way more into Ursula, to be honest. Don't know if that's weird or relatable. I don't know, but big up Ursula, bro. Anyway, so because I've been looking into sea magic in preparation for my holiday, I thought it would be a good subject for today's episode. And, you know, I want to talk sea spirits and deities and blessed and magic water and how to make your own and spells and rituals and all of that good stuff. So let's get to it, kids. So the first segment for today is going to be on deities in relation to the sea and water. I say that as I get a dry throat, that's kind of ironic, I guess. Um, So I'm going to drop a few names here that I'm sure everybody or at least most people already know. But personally, while I always knew the names, I didn't always know the stories or the history to go with those names. Um, So since I'm going to Greece, of course, the first one I looked into was Poseidon. You know, the obvious choice, in my opinion. Um, Poseidon is the Greek god of the sea. He is the king of the sea gods. He is also the god of floods, droughts, earthquakes and horses. Didn't know about the horses personally, found that kind of interesting. Um, While he is known as the god of the sea, he is actually the god of pretty much all water. But the name Poseidon actually means either husband of the earth or lord of the earth. He is believed to be the son of Cronus who is the youngest of the 12 titans, and of Cronus's sister and consort, Rhea, a fertility goddess. Poseidon was a brother of Zeus, the sky god and chief deity of ancient Greece and of Hades, god of the underworld. When the three brothers deposed their father, the kingdom of the sea fell by lot to Poseidon. (coughs) The main symbol for Poseidon is the trident, which was his weapon, and it is believed that Poseidon's trident, like Zeus's thunderbolts and Hades, was fashioned by the three Cyclopes. As the god of earthquakes, Poseidon is also associated with dry land, so he is primarily, but not solely, the god of the sea. Many of the oldest places of worship for him in Greece are or were actually inland although sometimes they were centered in pools or streams so you know the the connection is still there right you're gonna have to bear with me for a second i'm taking a sip of my coffee because talking about all this water 
has apparently given me a very dry throat. And I don't know if you heard that, but has somehow also alerted the neighbours and caused them to bang on things, but okay. Um, yeah, so where was I? Yeah. Um, yeah, connection's still there, blah, blah, blah. Poseidon's offspring were myriads. I'm hoping I'm saying that right also. He was the father of Peleus. I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm saying all these names right. I can't make that guarantee. I always say in all of my episodes when I'm trying to pronounce these things, just correct me if I am wrong. Um, so he was the father of Myriad, Peleus, and Neleus. Creative names, love that. Um, and those were by Tyro, the daughter of Salmonius, and thus he became the divine ancestor of the royal families of Thessaly and Messania. Please tell me I'm pronouncing those right. I'm, I can only guess at this point. So many of Poseidon's sons became rulers in other parts of the ancient Greek world. They were respected and worshipped as such, but he did also have many monstrous offspring, including giants and savage creatures such as Orion, Antaeus, and Polyphemus. Polyphemus? Oh, I don't, I don't fucking know at this point, bro. Polyphemus, that's what we're going with. Um, Progen, what does that, why did I write that? What's that word even say? Progenitor, I don't know how I wrote it without knowing how to say it, but yeah, that thing of many with several consorts, basically Poseidon was a bit of a playboy, a little bit of a slag. No disrespect, bro, but it is what it is. Um, Poseidon was also married to the Oceanid, I'm going to try and pronounce this one, Amphitrites, Amphitrites, yes, I think, um, with whom he also had multiple offspring, including the sea creature Triton, and yes, I know you guys are thinking there's a little mermaid too, I refuse to believe it's just me. The chief festival in Poseidon's honour was the Isthmia, God help me with these pronunciations, man. Um, the scene of famous athletic contests, including horse races, uh-huh, um, celebrated in alternate years near the Isthmus of Corinth. So many hard words in this episode, man. I've never done this to myself. Um, his character as a sea god eventually became his most prominent in art, and he was represented with the attributes of the trident, the dolphin, and the tuna. The Romans, ignoring his other aspects, identified him with Neptune as sea god. And with that, let's talk Neptune. So Neptune was the Roman god of waters and seas, who controlled winds and storms. Also known as Neptunus Equesta in Latin, I believe, which makes me sound super smart, unless I've pronounced that wrong too. Um, he was recognised as a god of horses and horsemanship, as well as a patron of horse racing, a popular form of entertainment for ancient Romans as far as I am aware. In terms of his characteristics and mythology, Neptune was basically an exact copy of Poseidon. Very creative on the Romans' parts, let's be real. And the name Neptunus Equesta roughly trans translates apparently to the moist i know i'm sorry i know a lot of people hate that word please don't hate me i had no choice um or it's also 
roughly translated apparently to the Cloudy Horse Lord, which is an interesting name. Unlike Poseidon, who had been part of Greek mythology from the get-go, basically, Neptune was a later addition to the Roman pantheon. Whereas Poseidon's subjects treated him as kind of a second-in-command to Zeus, Neptune was never actually a ruling deity. Though he lacked political power within the Roman pantheon, Neptune still commanded the fear and respect of people whose fortunes were intimately tied with the seas, basically. Um, He controlled all the waters from the smallest streams and springs to the largest well-known bodies of water, namely the seas. Um, The Romans were aware of the ocean beyond the Iberian Peninsula. I'm hoping I said that properly, Um, but only dimly so. So Neptune made the Mediterranean Sea his domain and lived in a golden palace beneath the waves with his consort Salacia. Salacia? Salacia? I'm going to go with Salacia, it sounds prettier, but correct me if I'm wrong once again, Um, and his loyal sons. Neptune could also summon winds and storms by roiling the seas and delivering crushing waves. Neptune sunk many ships and sent many sailors to watery graves. While he was truly mighty in his own domain, Neptune's power waned the further he was from the seas. So basically, the further inland he was, inland, inland he was, the less powerful he was. I mean, generally speaking, Neptune and Poseidon are extremely similar, if not basically exactly the same. So I don't really know how much more I can speak on it without just repeating myself. So I'm just going to move on to the next deity, who is Varuna. Varuna, in the Vedic phase of Hindu mythology, the god sovereign, the personification of divine authority. He is the ruler of the sky realm and the upholder of cosmic and moral law. A duty shared with the group as gods also known as the, I'm going to try, Adityas, um, of whom he was the chief. <clears throat> and basically... Aditi, Aditi, I'm, I'm really, so, I'm sorry. Um, Aditi is the personification of the infinite and mother of a group of celestial deities, the Adityas, um, which is basically what I just just said. Um, she supports the sky, sustains all existence, and nourishes the earth. So that's that's what the Adityas are, if you're wondering. Varuna is often jointly invoked with Mitra who represents the more, what's the word, ju, ju, I can't, I can't think of the word, I'm supposed to be recording, supposed to be professional, the more juridical, I think that's how you say it, side of um, their sovereignty, the alliance between one human being and another, while Varuna represents the magical and speculative side, um, which is the relationship between the gods and human beings. In later Hinduism, Varuna plays a lesser role. He is guardian of the West and particularly associated with oceans and waters. See, it all tied together. You just had to bear with me. It is it is also a wide-held assumption that worshipping the deity shields us from thunder and lightning. The Hindu goddess Varuni is believed to be his consort. 
his mount is said to be the Makara, which is a mythical sea creature or crocodile, and his weapon of choice is the Pasha or the Noose. Anything I've said wrong, I can only apologise for. Like, mm, yeah. Um, moving on now to Triton, since he was briefly mentioned earlier and is also one of the most well-known names when it comes to water deities. As I mentioned, Triton is the son of Poseidon and um, I can never say this properly, Amphitrites, Amphitrite, Amphitrite. I don't, I don't fucking know, bro. He was a fish-tailed god, aka a merman, if you will, uh, who stilled the waves with his conch shell trumpet. Ooh. Triton was also described as the god of Tritonis, a large salt lake in Libya, where the Argonauts found themselves stranded in the middle of the desert, and Triton helped them to find passage from the lake back to the sea. Triton was often multiplied into a host of sea spirits called Tritones, which were regarded as like spirits of the sea, basically. So rather than believing that Triton Triton was one, one being, some people believed that he was basically multiple beings, multiple sea spirits. Now, in many of these these descriptions of these sea spirits in many texts over the years, they are often depicted as having human upper bodies and the lower bodies of fish. So basically, they're fucking mermaids, mate. They are mermaids, and I personally love that. Um, so moving on from Triton, because I couldn't really find too much on him which is super maybe I'm just shit at research I don't know but yeah um I do want to speak on a goddess as well because I am a feminist and I couldn't find too much on goddesses of the sea for some reason but what I did find was Cleodna Celtic goddess of the sea okay so full disclosure I had to um I had to pause to go and see if I had pronounced that right because it it looks completely different. So it's pronounced cleaner, cleaner, apparently. Um, I just had to pause the recording to go and look that up. There's there's only so much I can do, but apparently I, I fucking butchered the first attempt. But yeah, it's actually cleaner, which I'm, I might still be pronouncing that wrong, but YouTube told me otherwise, bro. So here we are. Um, So... The ancients believed Celtic goddesses influenced every part of early Celtic life, especially fertility and prosperity. Cleanar is the Celtic goddess of the sea, the other world, passion and love and deep beauty. The Celtic fairy queen, which I, I love, um, Cleanar, a daughter of the sea god Man... What's that say? Mananan. Mananan. Mananan? Yeah, that's what we're going with. Uh, she rules over the sea in Ireland and the Celtic Isles. Every ninth wave is believed to be sacred to her, and it is said that if a wish is spoken as a small pearl is placed in a double shell, tied with seaweed and cast on the ninth wave and reaches the shore, cast as the ninth wave reaches the shore, sorry, the goddess cleaner will will grant it. 
In ancient Celtic mythology, Clina as the goddess of beauty, love and passion um, is said to have three brightly coloured birds who eat, a- who eat apples from a mystical tree in the other world and whose sweet song heals the sick. Aww. In Munster, Clina is the queen of the banshees of the Tuatha de Danann. Pray that I said that right. And rules as queen over the fairy women of the hills. To this day in County Cork in Ireland, she is thought of as a fairy queen with her own resident, I think the borough, um, the rocky coastal landmark, Ton Cleaner, the Wave of Cleaner, is named for her. This goddess was seen as one part of the Celtic triad representing the power and energy associated with both land and sea. In Celtic mythology, her name actually means the beautiful. Um, So in Celtic culture, there are four main areas that they originally lived in. So there's Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England. The Celtic tribes were broken up into different clans, each within their own geographic areas, sharing cultural traits such as language dialects and traditions specific to those regions. Kleena's connection to water meant that she had influence over all three geographical locations for the Celtic people. The mythology is also closely linked with the Celtic story of, I'm going to really try, Shulain, I believe that's how it's pronounced, um, an Irish hero whose name means Hound of Shulain. Yeah. Um, am I saying that right? I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to stop recording to Google it this time. <laughs> I'm going to just go with it. Um, in this story, Kleena appears to save Kalein. I'm struggling. To save Kalein from death after he falls into a lake and she brings him safely back onto dry land. Kalein then rewarded her by taking off his own cloak and wrapping it around her shoulders. This myth shows how much respect people had for Kleena because they would go out of their way to help others even if there was no benefit in it for them personally, which is something that we can all learn from today. Kleena is seen as a sea goddess, which means she has links to the duck and geese of water. Some people believe that that is the reason why Celtic people have so much respect for these birds um, because they see Kleena's influence over them, particularly when it comes to protecting their eggs, young or nests from predators. Kleena is an interesting Celtic deity. One of the reasons for that is because there isn't actually too much information available on her in Celtic culture. This could be because she wasn't worshipped by many different tribes outside of Britain, but it might also have something to do with Celtic beliefs about Celtic deities and how they should be worshipped because the Celts were very secretive and didn't really want people to know what their religious practices consisted of, which makes it even harder for us today to find out more information. So it was actually quite difficult for me to find information on her beyond what what I have already said. And so with that, I'm going to move swiftly on to the next segment um which is all about magical and blessed water
Okay, so when I say magical water, I'm not I'm not 100% sure I'm being clear on what I mean. So basically, this is referring to things like sun water and moon water, which I'm sure now I've said that, most of you will probably understand what it is I'm actually getting at. So within our craft, there are many tools that we can use to enhance our spells and rituals. I did do the episode on the witch's toolkit and all of that, but I didn't get into these in particular. Um, So I'm going to start off with the most well-known, which is moon water. Now, moon water is basically water that has been charged in the moonlight in order to absorb the moon's magical properties and energies. So this can be used to basically amplify any spells. Um, When the moon is full, it's at its most powerful. And so having water infused with that energy and that power is a good way of putting that into your spells. Typically, most witches will only make moon water on a full moon. Personally, I have a little collection of moon water from different phases of the moon. Because obviously, the moon has its different phases, which means it's stronger at certain phases. You can do certain spells better during certain phases of the moon and whatnot. So I have my new moon water which I will basically use to enhance manifestation spells, my full moon water. Now typically during a full moon this is where most witches will try to, um, what's the word, what's the word, banish, banishing spells, that's the one. Um, But I personally use my full moon water as an amplifier for any spell because the moon, like I said, is at its most powerful during that time so having it infused with that energy and that power is a good way of putting that energy into your spells for banishing spells i will use waning moon water and i will also use waxing moon water if i'm trying to build something up um yeah so that's that's kind of how i do it but typically full moon water is a good all-rounder for that kind of thing Um, So you want to make this by basically filling a clear bottle or container with clean spring water and simply leave it out on a windowsill or outside during whatever moon phase you're trying to collect. Like I said, a full moon ideally for most witches. Personally, I don't always use spring water or anything. Sometimes I'll just use tap water and I know some witchcraft snobs out there will be scoffing at that right now, but I don't give a shit. If possible, I do prefer to use rainwater or water from a natural body of water. And usually I will try not to say the word water so much, but f- I have no choice right now. Um, so, while I'm, <laughs> so while I'm on my holiday, I'll, I'm planning on collecting a bit of seawater from my holiday, ready to bless at the full moon. And also another one just as like just normal seawater. Um, because I believe using water that has come directly from a natural source like that is all the more powerful as it's more connected to those earthly energies but that is just my humble opinion like I said in desperate times or if it hasn't rained or anything just use tap water it's absolutely fine you will get like I said witchcraft snobs that will be like no you can't do that but you can it's fine it's just not that deep as long as it's water and it's infused with that lunar power it's moon water The thing with moon water and making moon water is um, ideally you want to retrieve it from wherever you've left it before the sun comes up. And this is because of the belief that if you leave it in the sun, it basically 
takes away that Luna power. I... This is a weird one because I do kind of believe that, but I'm also too lazy, especially in the summer, to get my ass out of bed at like 4am to run outside and grab a bottle of water from the garden. Like I'm just I'm just not doing that. Um so I try and place it kind of strategically where I know where it's going to be shaded in the morning. So even when the sun does come up, it's it's fine. um so it won't actually technically be in the sun but I know this is not as easy for most people so I mean it in my opinion it doesn't matter too much so don't stress about it but ideally it's believed that you do want to retrieve it from wherever you've left it before the sun comes up moon water is used in spells potions cleansing and charging sigils and Basically, any practice where you require power and or protection from the moon. If you leave water in the same way, but in the sun, you get sun water. This is this. I think this is a part of why you want to retrieve it before the sun comes up, because you don't want to accidentally make sun water. But I mean, like I said, it doesn't really matter too much. Um, Like witchcraft snobs out there are going to be screaming at me right now, telling me how wrong I am. But. This is the beauty of witchcraft. It's all down to your intentions. So in my opinion, if I'm leaving it there with the intention of making moon water, it's going to be moon water, whether the sun has hit it or not. Because it's, you know, I can't keep it away from sunlight forever, realistically. Um, But yeah, what was I on about? Rambling and bitching. Um, so yeah sun water so this is often (laughs) used for amplifying spells but more specifically any spells or rituals associated with the sun god for obvious reasons really or personally I like to use my sun water in daytime spells so any spells I perform in the day as I help it I help I like to believe it helps to draw down the energy from the sun when I use my sun water and draw down the energy from the moon when I use my moon water, so I use my sun water in the day, my moon water overnight, because you know. Now, there's also snow water, which is basically harvested from snow or ice. So, in the winter, if it snows, collect some in a bottle, let it melt naturally, and Bob's your uncle, you got snow water. This is typically used for cleansing rituals um, and purifying rituals, basically, due to the purity of the snow and how the snow melting away is like a a representation of your troubles or the negative energies also melting away. And um, that's just to, to put it simply, you know, I don't like to overcomplicate these things. Um, really, you can use rainwater for most things as well. Um, if you're trying to connect with those earthly energies, like I said before, that's why I like to use rainwater to create my moon water. Um, seawater for the same kind of thing. It's good for protection it's very good for confidence spells as well or um anxiety releasing spells or actually quite good for banishing spells as well as it's used as a representation of sea waves washing away that negative energy good for confidence spells because you're kind of invoking the power of the ocean and things like that um with that though bit of a shorter segment there i i am going to move on to the last segment now which is basically where I'm just going to share a few spells and rituals with you in which you can utilise the, these different 
water tools and if you are fortunate enough to ever be near a natural body of water how you can include include that in your craft too if if i can manage to get actual english words out of my mouth without stuttering um but yeah let's do it let's go So let's get into some of these spells and rituals then because I love using water in my craft and these are some of the ways that you can too because like I said I'm in the middle of the city I don't really have many natural bodies of water so when I do get an opportunity to this is kind of how I go about things. So the first thing I'm going to do is actually tell you how to make your own seawater I know it sounds weird because, you know, seawater is seawater, but as I said, I live in the city and when a a a certain spell requires seawater and you don't have access to it, you got to do what you got to do. Witchy problems require witchy solutions and all that shit. So, yeah. So what you're really going to need for this is two cups of hot water, a seashell, four pinches of sea salt, which you can actually buy sea salt from the supermarket, and a container for mixing. Mix your sea salt and your water until the salt is dissolved. Hold your seashell, or really anything that can represent the sea that is okay to be dropped into water, basically. Um, Obviously, you can't just find a seashell on your street or anything like that, but if you If you do have a seashell or anything, if you've collected one from a holiday or anybody's ever given you one as a souvenir, or if you've got a bit of sea glass or anything like that, anything that can represent the the sea that you can improvise with, that's, you know, it's all about the intention. So that's absolutely fine. But ideally, you know, hold your seashell. And as you do so, say the following words. And once, once again... You can change these words to better suit yourself or your beliefs, though. Um, This is just something I use, but I know that not everybody works with deities or this deity in particular. Um, But yeah, so if you need to change the words or anything, that's absolutely fine. So say the following words. Amphitrite, queen of the sea, I ask that you lend your power to this vessel. Mighty goddess of the deep... I welcome you and give you thanks. Then you simply drop your shell or your chosen vessel into the water and the ritual is complete. There's your seawater. Done. Um, I also have a rainwater protection spell. Since, at least where I am, rainwater is probably the easiest to collect. So this one should be reasonably simple for most people. Um, This spell is basically to help keep away negative energies. It is best done during a waning moon and all you need is a candle, ideally black or white for cleansing, but any colour that resonates safety for you will work work just as well. Um, And some rainwater. So first thing you want to do is light your candle in a safe place near the main entry point of your home. So that'd be like the front door. Pick up your container of rainwater, walk around your home and at every entry point, this is including windows, dip your finger into the rainwater and mark the entry points with an X. Each time you do this, say the following. With the power of the sacred water, 
protect and bless this house, so mote it be. Simple, simple and claim really. When you have completed this at every entry point to your house, return to your candle and blow it out. Your ritual is now complete. Boom, done. Keeping it easy today, kids. Um, next up is a ritual for manifesting your goals with the new moon tide. I actually checked to see if there's a new moon while I'm on holiday. And there is, but it's on the night that I leave. So I will already be on the plane and I'm going to miss it, which I'm a bit sad about, but you know, whatever. Um, but for those of you fortunate enough to be near the sea during the new moon, this one is for you. So what you will need are paint or pens, a coastal beach location, and you can also use your wand if you want to as well. You'll, you'll understand why. So you want to take a walk along the shoreline of any sandy beach, paddle in the sea, look to the horizon, allow your vision to absorb the power of the ocean, just really take it all in, inhale the sea air, and as you walk along, just embracing all of that, find a piece of driftwood to carry. And then what you want to do is find a quiet spot close to where the waves lap and with your driftwood or your wand if you if you don't have a piece of driftwood write a short affirmation in the sand which defines your desires so for example you would write i am confident <clears throat> or i am loved or i am fulfilled at work or anything anything like that whatever you're trying to manifest write it as if it's already happened and you want to write that in the sand and then you just watch the waves as they absorb your words. So let the wave, let the waves, sorry, I heard something in the kitchen. Is it a ghost? Hello? I think it's just the ghost, it's fine. Um, so yeah, watch the waves just wash over your words. Um, take your piece of driftwood home and with paint or a pen, Write the same affirmation on this piece of driftwood. Keep this on your altar or somewhere you can see it every day. And this is to remind yourself of that um, affirmation and to also keep that keep that energy from that new moon spell with you in your home. So it's around you and, you know, manifest your desires and all that jazz. <clears throat> There's also... That's such a dry throat today. There is also bath magic, which we all love. And I know I love a good ritual bath or a ritual shower. Just mm, stunning. So the idea of this is that the water not only physically cleanses your body, but also washes away negative energies. This is more in terms of ritual showers, I think, because as the water basically drips off your body, it's like dripping the negative energies away as well. Ritual baths in particular are good because it's not just about cleansing, it's about absorbing the positivity. It's like you're replacing the negativity. Um, so you might add rose petals to your bath to absorb self-love while you soak, or you might light an incense so that the bathroom fills with the smoke and you can inhale that positivity in a relaxing environment. And I, oh man, I just love a good ritual bath. It's it's where I like to meditate and really just get back in touch with myself and just chill out and just really ground myself and just take that 
quiet moment out of the the bullshit of daily life really and I just think it's a really important part of self-care just doing things like that you've just gotta just take advantage of those quiet moments in the day because I don't think a lot of us realize just how busy and just how loud our days can actually be even when it's like physically quiet so when like days like today when I'm home from work, my fiance is at work, I'm in the house on my own and realistically, unless I'm recording and I'm literally speaking to my phone, I'm in silence for the whole day. I won't say a single word for the whole day, but I'm just, I'm still so busy. I've still got stuff going on. I'm playing music, I'm watching TV, I'm cleaning, I'm stomping around the house in my big golf boots and just washing up and all of that kind of thing and just still doing a million and one things it's rare that I have a day where I just sit down and don't do anything like so having those quiet moments where everything's just silent and you really just just listen it's it's just so nice and it's really good for you and if if I encourage anything today it's that you just you take a second to just turn everything off put everything down and just sit in silence for a minute because oh it's just so nice it's just so peaceful but anyway I'll shut up now um you can also make your own floor wash and basically what this is is it's for you to use to like mop your floors in your home to attract or deter whatever it is you're bringing in or getting rid of so basically you you might, I don't know, use rose water to bring love into your home or or a basil floor wash to bring money or luck. Um, one in particular for business owners, actually, um, you might want to combine, what was it again? Um, brown sugar, ground cinnamon and red brick dust. Add this to a bucket of water along with white vinegar. Use this mixture to wash the floors of your business or if you work from home, wash your floors at home and it it will attract better business for you. You can also use ground cinnamon, mint leaves and basil. Mix this with water and use it to wash the floors of your home for prosperity. And for our last thing today, this one isn't so much a spell or ritual, but it is a craft in both senses of the word, so... The idea is that you collect seashells, sea glass, or anything like that that you would that you would find on a beach. Um, you might also want to collect a small jar of sand or a small jar of seawater as well. But even just even just the seashells would be absolutely fine. And what you want to do is basically make a necklace or any kind of jewelry, a necklace or a bracelet or something from these objects. And then you want to ideally take this bracelet or necklace or something back to where you collected the shells from. Um, or, or to any body of water if you can't go back to the same place. And just give thanks for the ingredients that you have gathered. You want to give thanks as you take them as well because you don't want to collect anything like that without saying thank you. Because it's, it's a little bit disrespectful to the earth and the deities to just nick their things basically. Um so you want to go back, give thanks, you want to ask that the jewellery you have made is blessed and you want to wash it in the water, so you want to hold it in the water. If you're by the sea, allow some of the waves to just wash over the jewellery, blessing it with the ocean's power and protection. And then 
whenever you wear this jewellery in future, you too shall be blessed and protected by the powers of the sea and given the confidence and the strength of the mighty waves. That was super cheesy, but I'm sticking with it. And that, kiddos, is pretty much everything I had for today. I I would love to have spent a little bit longer recording today, but I've got packing to do. I do hope you guys get a chance to try out some of these spells and rituals and receive all of the blessings you are looking for. I'm going to take this chance once again to apologise for my little hiatus. I'm working on myself right now and readjusting my priorities, so I am making a bit of a comeback to being my normal self once again. But for now, I wish you all a wonderful week or two weeks because I'm going to be away next week. Probably won't record anything. But anyway, big love for every single one of you out there listening, though. As always, it means the world to me that there are actually real human beings out there listening to the podcast and I can't big up you guys enough for the support. Like I said though, have a wonderful couple of weeks and I will speak to you all again soon.